0: hi hello i'm julian and i'm tom we're back baby we are team binge we are back to talk about the house of the fall of the usher no (laughs) it's been a while tom the (laughs) fall of the house of usher right is that that's the the one? one And Mm -hmm. we're doing something a little bit different here. If you've stuck with us for other shows, we typically, uh, much to the chagrin of our name, don't binge things. But this episode, (laughs) Tom binged the fall of the House of Usher. Does it have a cool, like Game of Thrones was G-O-T? Does this one, is this T-F-O-T-H-O-U? Is that what all the cool (laughs) people are saying? About I it? don't
1: think so. This this show is very hard to hashtag, so I, I haven't figured it out yet. It's just a big long lie when I try to uh, tweet about it.
0: All right, well, this is a Netflix show done by Mike Flanagan, and Tom and I decided to do this one, and we were going to go episodically, or at least break it down, but then Tom has partnered with someone who I will just call him weak, and so I <laughs> could not commit to this show after watching three episodes, but Tom watched the whole thing. So for those of you that hate spoilers or haven't watched the whole show, we are going to talk about the whole series in one podcast. A tight 30, I would assume, based on how much Tom and I can do a short podcast. But <laughs> And I wanna
1: say up front here, so the reason you punched out and you can go over it in more detail is like the characters are not very redeemable and the gist of the show is every one of these characters is dying each episode. And I certainly understood that sentiment, but I just love Mike Flanagan and his other work, which we'll kind of talk through a little bit. Um, And I think after watching the full series, this is definitely up there for maybe my top three uh, Flanagan joints. So I still enjoyed it. It was different, but it still had a lot of the kind of beats that he has in some of his other shows, like dealing with family dynamics, really diving deep into the characters to understand their motivations. And And I do think this is a show that, is probably much more enjoyable if you are more familiar with Edgar Allan Poe's work, since this is just so steeped into that lore and that that genre. So again, if you haven't watched the show, but maybe want to watch it, I would maybe hold off on this and come back to us. Um, but if you don't plan on it, I think this still maybe can give you a sense for what this show is if you haven't watched the other series that uh, Mr. Mike Flanagan has done.
0: Sure. My pitch to you is if you've only watched the first three episodes and you gave up, you could still hang out with us because I'm in the same (laughs) boat. Tom's about to explain this whole series to me. And if you haven't watched a single episode and don't plan to because you don't like horror or you don't like I don't know. Would you call this a horror show, Tom? Yeah, right? There's certainly... Yeah, it's horror,
1: of- suspense, thriller, yeah. I mean, he still has the jump scares. The creep factor is, don't is care for, for this guy.
0: Don't care for the jump scares. I'm a grown man. Don't care for the jump scares. <laughs> but we're going to dive into it. And the first thing, let's just talk about Mike Flanagan, the man that created it, and what... So I think you and I touched on his series, The Haunting of Hill House or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. You're the one that uh, liked that quite a bit. You mentioned it to me. I never watched it because it was too scary, but I (laughs) did watch Midnight Mass, which was the one before this one. So Mike Flanagan did a show called Midnight Mass, and I really enjoyed it. And why I enjoyed it is... While I'm not a horror guy, there was a lot of like cool conversations that happened in Midnight Mass about like religion and, you know, what's after this life and those types of things. There Mm. were, it wasn't like a huge jump scare show. Um, Spoiler, I mean, Uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I really enjoyed the show. The acting was incredible. It was really well done. It's in a setting of that weird island out in the middle of nowhere, which was just kind of a fascinating (laughs) setting. And then it had a lot of actors that I really enjoyed. So I agreed to do this show with Tom thinking it would be kind of a midnight mass. And after three episodes, I did not feel like I was getting the same enjoyment out of it. And Mm -hmm. as I've mentioned previously, when something's too dark, Sometimes I've just got to punch out because I don't need more darkness in my life. But, um, <laughs> but what I do want to point out is Mike Flanagan very loyal to his actors and actresses. Like he brought a bunch of a bunch of people from this show or from Midnight Mass, and I'm assuming mm-hmm. from some of those other shows. I'm I'm curious that you mentioned this would be in your top three. Can you talk to me about your top three of Mike Flanagan's stuff?
1: yeah i mean he's he's done a handful but i think the, some of the ones that are on netflix that come to mind i think haunting of hill house is still one of my favorites and i am not a big scary kind of guy but the way that was shot and it's just so creepy with like random ghosts that you kind of see in the background which we get a little bit in this show not to that extent um again not a fan of jump scares but i thought that we were we were used well in hill house and i just love that story that family dynamic that that was told um and i'm with you i think midnight mass is probably probably my second of his work um, and I think this is this is number three for me. I'm with you. I think we talked about it on previous pods, like it's kind of like the show Succession. I don't know if I've mentioned it on pod, but is a show that was just full of just creeps and nobody that is really redeemable. And I don't really want to watch and root for a show like that. And this kind of has that same quality where you find out very early that the House of Usher is awful. And every one of these kids grew up with just nothing to want for and became awful as a as a result. So I I understand your reasons for punching out. But like you mentioned with the characters and the actors that uh, Flanagan uses, one of which is his wife, Camille, uh, the one with kind of the white hair, the publicist kind of of the family, um, incredibly talented actress that was in Midnight Mass. I mean, the the sheriff in Midnight Mass who plays uh, Napoleon, Leo, his character is just like, Get drugged up all the time. It just complete polar opposite from what we saw in Midnight Mass. I really dug that, like showing these actors range because I thought everybody still brought it in in this series, and I had a lot of fun watching them. Um, kind of milk different different scenes from a different angle.
0: Sure, sure. I. So, they start off in the f- first episode, uh, letting you know everyone's dead. Right. this the, this mm-hmm. is this is something we learn. And so as I was watching the show and I already know all of these characters are going to die, I was kind of like, well, I'm rooting for them all to die. I know they're all going to die. <laughs> so do I need to spend, I don't know, 10 hours of my life watching the rest of these? Is it eight, eight episodes or 10 episodes of this show? It's eight, eight episodes. Eight. I got through three. That's almost half. I'm not a math guy, <laughs> but that's close to half. But in my mind, I was like, they're all going to die. I'm kind of rooting for them all to die. I don't really care why they're dying. I know it's this Verna who's played by uh, Carla Gugino. I'm sorry. I'm going to... It doesn't seem like a last name you would mess up, but I just <laughs> did. Uh, her character being Verna. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that... And she's like a supernatural element. I don't really care what her supernatural element is. I'm just glad that she's killing people. Uh, <laughs> which sounds terrible but like when you watch the show and and I don't know there's not a there I don't know how to say this without getting in trouble but there's not a normal person in the bunch that's just like got a moral compass that would make a good decision they what I'm the only person I'm kind of curious about is is Roderick and Madeline the brother and sister that this mm-hmm. whole thing is kicked off on cuz now when he is it in the first episode where he's getting into the limo and he falls down on the sidewalk and he's, like, bleeding out of his nose? Does he die there, or is that is he then rushed no. to the hospital?
1: No, I think that's that's the first glance of the Jester character that he kind of sees. Sure. Um, and obviously throughout the whole series, and I think the first three episodes that you saw, he gets glimpses of his family and the people that he's seen die in his life. So the Jester is actually kind of like a an Easter egg for a character you see kind of towards the very end. So you don't really know what it is, but yeah, he has kind of like a mini, mini heart attack when he sees that guy. And I want to mention too, like before we get too far in, like the character of Verna played by Carla Gugino. Again, I messed it up too. Verna is actually an anagram for Raven. So they don't explicitly say throughout the whole series, like, If she is, like, an actual raven, is she death? Is she just some sort of, like, god? Because she does, like, more or less kind of grant wishes. And, you know, there's some sort of deal that both the brother and sister make with her. So you don't know exactly kind of what she is, but she's definitely an otherworldly creature that's you know taking this out on this family and and you mentioned too about like no redeeming characters there's really only one and that's lenore usher which is the daughter of frederick and i can't remember the lady's name marlena or morella morella Morella, thank you um she's yeah she's like the the next generation of ushers and the only one that seemingly is is redeemable from
0: but she dies right she's dead
1: she does so like the whole gist of it is like they Madeline and Roderick make kind of a deal with the devil, if you will, um, with Verna that says, like, we want they, And I guess I'll just go through it. So like that Jester character is the boss of the mega corporation that they ultimately ended up uh, burying in like the basement of one of their buildings. And they like uh, put like the masonry, they put up bricks and they like bury this guy alive pretty much in a wall. And he was like, they was at a costume party and he was in a jester costume. So that's kind of like why you see this creepy guy in, in here. Okay. Um, but they, they, so they did that and they went to this bar afterwards, which ended up being Verna's bar to try to create an alibi, talk to people and say, yeah, we were here the whole time. Got it. But as they're talking to her, that's where she ultimately then makes this deal. Like, Hey, I can give you wealth. I can give you power and you can get away with all of this. Uh, but your bloodline will end uh, before you both perish and you will both perish at the same time so that's kind of like the means of the whole show and now everybody kind of meets their demise huh. and yeah so they, they all see it so it's kind of played out in like flashbacks throughout the whole series but that's kind of the gist of it is this deal with the devil that they make and now like you know the reapers uh, bills come due and now they've got to kind of reap what they've sown
0: Sure. And the underlying theme of all of this is Mike Flanagan going after Big Pharma because of (laughs) the opioid crisis and people making pills that get people addicted and kill them. That seems to be there's a lot of running social commentary that happens in this show. In fact, Mm -hmm. I made a real note in one of them. someone is talking about algorithms and they're like, algorithms could write movies and TV shows. And then someone (laughs) goes not well. And all the actors look at the camera and they flash their (laughs) like sag cards (laughs) and they're like, we're striking or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know, but I, uh, okay. So I find what you've just said interesting and that's not something that I, I mean, didn't gleam. Like you can kind of see what's happening when, They're trying to create an alibi early on, and she's Mm -hmm. the barkeep, the publican, Um, and, Mm -hmm. okay, so that makes sense to me. Now, they seem to have kids and then adopt a bunch of kids. It seems a little bit cruel to me that they're adopting kids when the devil has told them those kids are going to die, I don't
1: I was a little fuzzy on that like I think they're all blood related so they might be just like affairs and stuff that Roderick ultimately had um I I I can't tell for sure because I think it was a little fast and loose because obviously there's characters with different ethnic backgrounds and things like that that you know didn't seem to make much sense but they did make mention about like kids being not fully I guess a part of his original
0: marriage or afterwards sure I kind of now that I've thought about it a bit, it is actually smart because if they are gonna live long enough for all of their kids to die, I mean, if you've got thirty kids, that's like thirty <laughs> lives. that's you're gonna you're gonna live a while before the devil can get through all of them. So mm-hmm. uh, this is really quite terrible now that I think about it. But if your children are all as terrible as these people's children are, then I'm not sad. I'm not sad at all. Talk to me about, so episode one is all about Roderick and Madeline, the brother and sister, and the young Roderick is played by Saracen from Friday Night Lights. Uh, We should maybe just watch Friday Night Lights, Tom. I know you love (laughs) Pete Berg.
1: The first episode is setting up the family being on trial. You see that they're all alive when this trial starts, and then the August, who's the kind of um, the defense attorney or or attorney for the stage or whatever it is. Yeah, there you go. Um, he's the one that kind of lays the breadcrumb saying, Hey, there's an informant in the family, which we later find out is not true. He just threw this little breadcrumb out there to have the family just do a bunch of infighting and go crazy over each other, which clearly seemed to work to a point. Um, but the way this episode kind of lays out, it's, it's their backstory. It's how these two siblings and Roderick and Madeline kind of became who they were. Their mom was kind of losing it. It was a little bit crazy. They buried their mom. Mom comes back as a zombie. Ultimately ends up taking out like Longfellow who was the, I think original owner of this mega corporation, Fortunato. Um, so, and then their biological father. So that's why does she come back to
0: life i did not understand i I mean it played for horror but why did she come back to life is their drug that good i didn't i didn't understand why she came back to life or was she not dead when they buried her they don't explain that
1: no i think the whole deal is yeah she wasn't fully dead like i don't think there's supposed to be a supernatural element to this the other thing to be said up front too is because the show is so heavily edgar Allan poe like every one of these episodes is covering a short story, a novel, something that Edgar Allan's done. And it's done in a way that kind of pays homage to the short stories, but obviously isn't telling it word for word. It's taking these characters and trying to rewrite them. Like even the initial story of the House of the Fall of Usher that he wrote um, is doesn't include any kids in it. It's just Madeline and Roderick. I think those two characters and them ultimately kind of meeting their demise with some kind of tale. Like I don't know the details, so it's it's kind of playing fast and loose. But they're using each of these like episode titles. Like the first one being a midnight dreary is a reference to the famous line from the Raven. Because ultimately, like the the main character death we hear have here is not only their mother but their father as well. Mm. Uh, at least their biological father.
0: Hmm. They. For people that are involved in the, I guess, medical and pharmaceutical, they buried her real quick. Um, And they (laughs) seem to have some issue with calling doctors or uh, I guess because she was... That was was the mom. Yeah. Because she was was religious. That's what it was. It's like, yeah, religious people. They uh, don't believe in doctors. (laughs) Uh, I take issue with that. But the... So they buried her super quick. And I will say for a guy that doesn't like horror... Mike Flanagan typically walks a pretty good line of like putting enough in there that it's mm-hmm. like, I don't spend the whole time sweating and being like, why do I watch <laughs> this? And then when I'm alone in my house, I've got every light on, like it's not that bad, but there is an also there is also a very cool element of him constantly putting things like moving in the background that sometimes mm. you don't even see. Like you, I'm sure I missed parts but then, once you almost start to look for it, like when Roderick is talking with the prosecutor, and over the prosecutor's shoulder, like someone just moves in the in the background, and it's mm-hmm. typically whatever character. I'm assuming it's whatever character he's talking about for that episode, right? Correct. Cool. Seeing yeah. them mm-hmm. now is that I've got a. Is this a hallucinogen from? Is this a side effect of of a drug? Or a, uh, I, I felt like they laid or they telegraphed that. Some of his stuff that he was seeing was drug related. No? Yeah, I mean, he was,
1: he's ultimately kind of on his deathbed. He's going to die, and I think he knows that. So I don't know if he's actually on any specific drugs. Like, I don't think he's on this Legodome or whatever. I think that's what he has his his current wife on. Um, But I think these are all just as he's telling the story of these people and their deaths, like it's the people like haunting him and making sure he tells the story correct. And he's like confessing to it as it, as it was said. So, I mean, I don't, I I think they're there, like they're really there, but they're there in his mind. Like the other uh, friend of his, the other prosecutor, when they're having this conversation in the old creepy house at night, he doesn't see any of them there. He just, it's it's, it's just Roderick who's, who's seeing these hallucinations.
0: Sure. Okay, so first episode, the main dead person is the mom, and they kind of set it up. The second one is Prospero, who's kind of the, he wants to open up club franchises, which, I mean, (laughs) as a guy that loves to dance and lives a hedonistic (laughs) lifestyle, I was kind of on board. Honestly, uh, uh, Prospero could not have met a nicer demise based on kind of how I felt. Uh, about him as a character i know that's terrible Oof. but um... that was rough
1: sprinkler party man that was a rough <laughs> one but yeah this one's called that yeah, the mask of the red death is this this poe tale uh but yeah ultimately ends up with perry trying to run this rave he's kind of like the, i guess the youngest usher he's a, a i think a bastard usher is the kind of called him earlier so he feels like he's already a little bit of a um kind of third wheel for the family uh, he kind of coaxes Morella to this this party masquerade rave thing, uh, so she kind of ends up getting. Uh, you know, it's it's odd that she doesn't die, but you know, she becomes a catalyst for Frederick's character and he, he how kind of crazy he kind of ends up getting, knowing that his wife showed up at this party.
0: Well, I would like to touch on this. Is <laughs> uh, so the the relationship where it's two people that are married and have a child um all the other well so let's take Camille's relationship. Camille's relationship is she has two assistants that also they are in some sort of weird open <laughs> ménage. Yes, like and and she makes them sign paperwork and uh I Healthy. I I know it's 2023, and but I that all seemed very strange to me. So I <laughs> I felt like they had the the relationship that was like a married couple with a kid, and they were like, we're gonna give that to you for about one episode, and then we're gonna send her to this rave because she's really into her brother-in-law's hedonistic lifestyle. And mm-hmm. so even you know the the married couple, they suck too. I don't know. I just I I had. I had issues well, so you with. didn't
1: you didn't stay with it but like obviously that Frederick character he's kind of like a weirdo crazy pushover guy and we see it in the beginning and I think she's just having second doubts or a moment of, not even a moment of weakness like she just goes to see what this thing is all about but I mean I you don't really understand like what her true motivation is because she spends the rest of the season just kind of catatonic in this burn word or in raps and all that kind of stuff and frederick the husband he's the one that ends up just going crazy and i don't think you saw it if you punch out after three but he just starts like he finds out that she had a burner phone when they went to the party and she or he for all intents and purposes is like torturing her while she cannot really respond it's just it's brutal and he's just becomes the absolute worst
0: oh so yeah that relationship is is unhealthy as well well it's good yeah. that they're all they're all doing well that they're all having a good time um <laughs> But talk to me about Luke Skywalker. Where, does Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. die?
1: Uh, Arthur Pym does not. He does survive the whole thing. He has a really cool like uh, conversation with Verda at the very end, uh, where he was gonna try to like. Arthur's going to take her, take her out and bury the body, but obviously she's like a supernatural creature and he they have a really cool, intense conversation. She tries to make a deal with him and he ultimately says like, no, I don't have anything to really live for. He doesn't have any close friends. He's just like the family fixer and just kind of realize he wasted his life trying to fix this family for you we know, whatever reason. So that was kind of cool, but he ultimately ends up just getting arrested after all things settle and I think is like serving 20 years to life or whatever. But I loved him. Like, I love I love <laughs> He needed the actor, a throat right? lozenge. Yeah, Mark <laughs>
0: Hamill. It's fun to see Mark Hamill in things because you realize other than Skywalker and him doing voice work in a mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars Joker. off video game. like, I, I, Well, he's I a almost, famous
1: voice actor for the Joker, like the Batman series. He's sure. like Joker in video games and cartoons. So he has that really raspy, like, intense voice work. So, yeah. And he's, I think he's just a very good, weird, creepy... I kind of know it all in this
0: sure sure i just thought to myself uh, and maybe i just i need to go through mark hamill's imdb but it was like he was in star wars and then he was maybe the most famous person in the world and (laughs) then he appeared in star wars 30 years later and this show and and that's uh so i felt like maybe my life could have used more mark hamill in it especially if he's gonna play uh, weirdos like this but maybe there's some gems out there that i just don't know he was mm-hmm. he was in gray's anatomy the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers will teddy survive will joe and link finally find happiness together meredith returns along with fan faves like arizona you can now stream every episode of gray's ever on hulu and new episodes next day Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So, okay. So that was two. Three was all about Camille. Mm -hmm. And Camille, the actress, I believe is Kate Siegel. And she is married to Mike Flanagan. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, she's great. She was great in Midnight Mass. I remember watching Midnight Mass and being like, oh, why isn't she in more things? It turns out that she likes acting in her husband's stuff. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. um, but she does a great job. Uh, did not like her character. Did not care for her character. I've really felt for those assistants. I was like, if I was those assistants, I would probably ask for a raise. I'd stick it out because, you know, <laughs> you're probably getting paid pretty well and mm-hmm. uh, you get to wear those cool assistant uniforms. Um, they were very, um, freeing with leg room and stuff. So I was mm-hmm. all about that, but, uh, she dies by monkey attack, Tom. And I think mm-hmm. after the monkey attack, I was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm good. And that's, that's <laughs> probably when I, cause you know me, I like when animals get it, but I don't like when animals get it to humans. You know, it's, okay. it can't, it can't, it can't.
1: <laughs> You hated the Planet of the Apes franchise.
0: Right, right, right. I guess, I mean, I don't know how many times I've watched that dog get it in that lasso opener. But man, oh man. Uh, I did appreciate her ending where she's like... F it i got mine and then i mean <laughs> went to throw fists with a monkey i don't know
1: <laughs> so this does have like precedence in the poe universe for like the murders of the rue rue morgue as i believe what the episode is called it's like apparently where a mad scientist is like injecting prostitutes with ape blood to try to create like a mate for his little sideshow ape that apparently talks so like super weird, super goofy. I'm like, I sorry, couldn't I'm believe sorry. Wait, that was a me, plot.
0: Can we put you in reverse and go back? I'm sorry, uh, Eddie Poe. Talk to me more about Eddie Poe. Uh, I'm sorry. There's a story. The the masquerade, like the red ball masquerade. I remember that story. I remember the Raven, maybe more from the Simpsons episode than anything else. But <laughs>
1: My wife said the same. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't remember the Simpsons episode where they injected prostitutes with monkey blood. What?
1: One more time? I mean, I like, listen, I have a little bullet point that I got from the internet, so I can't expand too much on it, but I think I vaguely remember this. So it was like a sideshow puppet, like that was a real ape that could talk, and he wanted, like the ape got like sentient or wanted to have like a a wife or a spouse, I guess, to talk to. I, again, making some of this stuff up, because I don't know for sure, but... Yeah, some mad scientist tries to inject the prostitutes with some of this ape blood to see if they can create some sort of like female monkey, I guess, for this. For this did monkey? it work? I don't, I don't did know. Did it work?
0: Did they did they fall in love, Tom? Did they live happily <laughs> ever after? Did the did the uh, ape and prostitute ape did they did it work out for them in the end? I'm fascinated. I don't know. I think, I think greatest love story ever told sounds like <laughs> tales all this
1: time. I think there is one more uh, Planet of the Apes sequel prequel coming out, so maybe it'll touch it there.
0: Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so... Um, yeah, so Kate Siegel is... Uh, I, honestly, I, I was kind of like, oh, maybe she'll win, but then she does not win, so... <laughs> no. She loses uh, her face. She was a fighter. <laughs> yeah, She she faced off with a monkey and got her face off, <laughs> so... All right, and then I punched out from there, Tom. So I'm going to step back. You've got, uh, let me do my math here, five episodes to convince me that I should go back to this show. Because at this point, I'm still sticking with my decision that I pop smoke and got out at the right time. But
1: I kind of wish you would have watched one more, because the next one is also an animal-related like haunting and death.
0: Let where me guess. Napoleon, let right? me guess. The animal is... A leper, duh, not a leper like someone with (laughs) leprosy. (laughs) Um, uh, It's a leper that bites people and gives them leprosy. Boom. Did I get it? Uh, Close.
1: It is, you could say, part of the leopard family. So it's the black cat that was like uh, Napoleon or Leo, his boyfriend like the cat like he let out the cat or the cat passed away or something yeah so the
0: cat's dead after the party it's smeared all over and he like sweeps it under the rug right oh that's right
1: okay yeah yeah he does actually try to so he, he ultimately then decides to buy a replacement cat and this replacement cat he purchases is from verna so like verna is just completely playing with him here so more or less like the whole entire episode this one's called the black cat he's just being like haunted by this cat and it's leaving like dead animals around the apartment he's having to clean it up the cat like scratches his eye at one point which is like super brutal and gross Uh, but it ends with him just tearing his entire apartment to shreds trying to find this cat And then ultimately seeing the cat like on the railing runs after the cat with like a hammer. By the way, he's doing all this with a Thor hammer prop. It's literally because he's like a video game nerd. So he picks up Thor's hammer and tries to uh, mule near this cat to death and then flies off the balcony to his demise.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) Tom, at any point, does he try to inject that cat with the blood of ladies of the night? (laughs) um not that i noticed no. in order to calm the cat i guess would be the opposite <laughs> effect um, but we do get like
1: it's not like verna kind of plays like the veterinarian that sells him the cat but then i think later on like verna kind of morphs into the cat and is like toying with him and playing with him. so it's like this really pushes heavily on like the supernatural element of of carla judina's character
0: let me ask you this so in the second episode with perry she talks to him and i felt like she almost gave him a choice of like hey you can like doesn't she kind of give him like hey you can leave like we can shut this down you should go Mm -hmm. and he he sticks it out when she and i don't remember with camille but with um the gentleman who who uh thor's off the balcony. Leo. Does yep. she does she give them choices like when he goes to purchase the cat does she like try to talk I him don't... out of it is there is... a
1: they're they're always going to die i think what she's doing is like kind of giving them an out to have a more peaceful death like once we get towards the very end the last character to bite the dust is that kind of younger second generation uh girl who's kind of the more the innocent like she gives her a like peaceful death where she just like taps her on the temple and then she just you know goes to sleep more or less but then she opens up to her and tells her like hey you you know, your mom, Your that's the burn victim. She's going to recover. She's going to create a foundation under your name. It's going to save 10 people, then a hundred people, then a million people. Like, so she's like, not just a, a, a devil character. That's why I think it's kind of ambiguous as to what Verna really is, because mm-hmm. I think she does have some sort of a, I'm not a soul. I mean, that's probably not the right word, but is, is giving these people an out. So I think to that point, like Maybe Perry could have died a little bit cleaner as opposed to being acid-rained on. So I think maybe that's what she's, she's doing with these characters.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was what I was curious about is just whether mm-hmm. or not there was a choice in the matter. So there's a choice, but it's not life or death. It's uh, do you want to get acid-rained on in a club <laughs> or do you want to die, I don't know, making love to Carla Gugino? Uh, <laughs> anyways peacefully um Mm -hmm. the next person to die let me guess tom let me guess who's Mm -hmm. the next person to die so the next person to die is tamerlane and tamerlane dies when she goes to visit bill t at the exercise (laughs) place and he's like listen we've got these new squat racks and tamerlane's like I love watching someone else use the squat rack and then <laughs> make love to my husband because that's super normal. Um, and so she dies by squat rack. Tom, did I get it right?
1: Uh, close. Unfortunately, Tamerlane doesn't pass until episode six. Episode five is the telltale heart. And, and this is Victorine. Ooh. or Vic- Victorine? I can't remember how you pronounce her name. We'll just call sure. her Vic. She's the doc, uh, she's the like- surgeon, right? Yes. So she's like the one working with the other doctor to try to create some sort of like heart mesh. And that's what we ultimately figure out that Roderick is dealing with this like heart defect. And that's why he's trying to push like human trials and everything for this heart thing that she's working on. But this was one that I enjoyed maybe more so than some of the others, just because I remember very distinctly like reading the Telltale Heart and that being a more kind of prominent Poe story that I recall back from like my high school career. Where you know this person is just hearing this beating heart kind of constantly in the background, it's just driving them mad, and that's ultimately kind of what what happens to Victorine here. Early on in the episode, she confronts the uh, other doctor, who I think is maybe the more like brains of the operation, about like how she had to forge her signature to get past and get into human trials. And then she like chucks a bookend at the lady as she's trying to like leave and say, like, hey, I'm gonna tell the world that you did all this. Uh, so it's kind of a moment of passion, but it ends up killing her and then I'm sorry, she kills her with a book? A bookend. She like picks up a bookend from the side table and just chucks it at her
0: head. Oh, a bookend. That's the Yeah, thing. she got bookended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I like I like it. See when I originally <laughs> when you said bookend, I thought you meant like the binding of a book. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Maybe she hit her with the good book but uh, which turned into a bad book but you're talking about book end okay i got gotcha, you i got gotcha. and then classic, throughout the whole episode classic rich per- person murder weapon by the way yes, like a statue of a famous person like the bust of a famous person or a book end it's always mm-hmm. a rich person murderer in that situation.
1: Oh, yeah. Just gets her right in the back of the head, and, yeah, she's a goner. But, like, we spend the whole episode not knowing if that exactly happened. Like, the scene cuts with her, like, throwing it at her. So you think maybe she just left the door and it hit the door. But then the rest of the episode, like, Vic is is hearing this heart kind of beat throughout, and it's just tormenting her. She kind of, like, blocked this out of actually happening. And then toward the end of the episode, Roderick ultimately visits her, sees if she's okay, and you, I mean, it's a gruesome scene where you see, um, the other doctor kind of in the background with this heart, like her chest is exposed and you see the heart transplant thing, like on the heart actively beating it, but she's well past, uh, her expiration date. And then this moment where Vic kind of like realizes what happened, like Roderick kind of confronts her and then Vic ultimately like, takes her own life. It was a pretty brutal one, but I think a little bit true to the, the telltale heart short story.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's the one, if I remember right, he kills someone, hides them under the floor, and then the mm-hmm. heart continues to beat. So yeah. just so I know, so Vix, the person that she murders, is it her, is it the doctor? Is it her wife? Is is? I think
1: is, they're just like lovers, maybe. I don't okay. know if they're actually married, but yeah, Allie or Allison, I think is her name. But that's yeah, who that's she kills. That, mm-hmm. okay.
0: yeah. yeah, no, that one sounds rough. I don't have any interest in watching that episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't have... Any interest in watching a decomposing corpse, heart still beating? um Yeah, that sounds I want
1: to bring up. I want to bring up here too because we haven't really talked much about like the backstory of it, and I glossed over it quickly in the beginning. But like, they're doing a lot of yeah. flashbacks as to like how Roderick, Madeline, like how they became owners of this mega
0: corporation, or
1: whatever. Yeah, like Matt this. Saracen yeah. before he's
0: QB one. Yes, I understand. They okay.
1: they ultimately end up like trying to work with August, the the prosecutor. That they you know they become friends. They were going to work with them to say like, hey, this company's forging signatures. You know, if you if you go on oath and say that they're doing this, then we can put them away. But then Roderick, once they get to the point of actually having like the deposition, Roderick's like, oh, no, these are my signatures. So just completely throws this August guy under the bus, kind of really screws up his career. And that's kind of why August is constantly going after this uh, this family. It's almost kind of a little bit of a vendetta. But that's how Roderick was able to kind of become the number one man for for this company and so the whole time like madeline is always there whispering in his ears she's like the the brains of that operation and telling him what to do so it was pretty brutal to watch watch roderick and madeline just deceive and become these
0: monsters sure we should talk about bruce greenwood and mary mcdonald which are the older roderick and madeline mary Mm -hmm. mcdonald to me is very much the president's uh the first lady in independence day Oh, and yeah, then right. um, Bruce Greenwood is the captain of the starship Enterprise in the J.J. <laughs> um, Abrams Star Trek movie. I'm sure they're both in other things, but when I see them, that's immediately what I think of. He
1: to me stole the show. Like I thought, sitting in that like chair, drinking that like godly expensive whiskey, whatever their brandy, it was just like the way he delivered those scenes the way he was like tormented by everything i thought he was doing some of the best acting in the series
0: oh yeah no he's captivating definitely definitely i mean he <sighs> i mean he saved that spaceship i don't know if you've seen that <laughs> that movie but he's only in it for like i don't know Uh, oh, wait, you know what? I'm thinking of young, I'm thinking of Chris Hemsworth. He's the one that does it in the beginning. He goes down with it. Yeah, Yeah. Bruce Greenwood is the, is like the main captain that hires Chris Pine. Mm -hmm. Ooh, all right. I wonder if that Chris Pine's doing anything. I'm sorry, uh, Chris uh, Evans? No, Chris uh, Hemsworth. I wonder if Chris Hemsworth is doing anything these days, other than letting people use his hammer to murder cats. Um... Brought it all the way around. You're all welcome. <laughs> Good work. Uh, I had a question about the. Does the prosecutor meet his demise, or does he get off scot free? Like, what's what are what are his demons?
1: So, you no, know, he gets off Scott for like, he was the guy that's been trying to do right this whole time. So after the conversation, and we can get to it, I guess, in the last episode, um, which I guess so let's just hold on to that. But but he, he stays through the whole time. He records uh, Roderick's confession and kind of gets it gets it all on tape. But there's a little bit of the end where you kind of see what happens to him.
0: Got it. Got it. So the guy that plays, uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, Tom, because Mm -hmm. I didn't watch any of the other episodes. (laughs) The guy that plays the pharmaceutical company boss, not in the first episode, but in the other episodes, his name is like something from Harry Potter. It's like Rufus McDormand. Rufus
1: Griswold. Yeah, yeah,
0: right. He's a (laughs) Slytherin. 100% he's a Slytherin. (laughs) um that actor was from like pensacola wings of gold i don't know if you ever watched that uh never heard that tv show oh man it's just these two pilots living it up in pensacola i'm gonna say his uh call sign was burner or spoons um he's also in battlestar galactica the new version anyways i really like that actor i wish he was in more things but uh, he, he was such he a ball like so all of his scenes it. yeah, oh it's, it's just
1: it's so hard to hear him and i think there's a one scene where he's like talking to like madeline and just being such like a sexist and it's just it's hard to watch like this that was one of the characters very early on that you wanted to see see go
0: oh all right well i thought he was going to be the hero of the show but that's <laughs> fine his name is michael truco and What's funny is I scanned over his IMDB profile like seven times because the picture they have for him doesn't look at all like him. So uh, anyways, that guy's great. And Pensacola Wings of Gold will be the next show that Tom and I will be doing. Um, <laughs> The uh, all right, so who dies next? Tamerlane. So Tamerlane dies next.
1: Tamerlane's the next one. This episode is Goldbug. Uh, so to your point, like this is a weird dynamic that they have a really creepy relationship with her and Bill. Oh, is it Tom? Is it weird?
0: Is it weird where someone comes into the house and they have like a family dinner and she watches and ties her shoes? Is that really? (laughs) I I don't, I, uh, I was, anyways.
1: That was a good deep cut for our Ted Bato, uh <laughs> podcast fans. You're welcome. Um, she's ultimately just hallucinating here. Um, I think it's kind of due to her insomnia. I think at a certain point towards the end of the episode, like all the glass starts breaking around her, mirrors, everything else, like cutting her. And then eventually she like falls on her bed and like the glass from above her bed breaks and then slowly falls and, and murders her. I don't remember the gold bug. Because, again, this is apparently a tanegra Alan poe joint. I don't know the how it connects, but... Uh, I always think of a, a children's book that my, my son has has a gold bug in it. So uh, it took me off a little bit of a loop.
0: Sure, that children's book where that gold bug is killed by all that glass. It <laughs> teaches it teaches kids at a young age about the fragility of life and how it could end at any moment. And then you say goodnight and you close the door <laughs> and turn off the light and your child is just there wondering about their existence. Um, when I think of a gold bug... I don't think of anything, because I don't remember that Eddie Poe story, and they don't make VW bugs like they used to. Remember how we all used to get violent whenever we saw one on the road? Man, we used to be a great nation. We used to, you used to be able to hit whoever you want just because that little German car drove by you. <sighs> I miss the old days. There was
1: there was a moment in this episode where like Pim discovers as he's like constantly doing his digging and trying to find more about Verna as they're kind of trying to figure out who she is where he pulls out a bunch of pictures of her of Carlo Gino's character in different like eras like hundreds of years ago she's like showing up with prominent families so okay. kind of showing that she is a supernatural creature so it was kind of interesting like all these different families she was with i can't remember Exactly who they were, but they were they were definitely famous. I didn't write any of them down, but that was kind of a cool little Easter egg, and just drove the family a little bit more crazy bananas. Sure.
0: Speaking of Carla Giugino, when you see her in things, do you have a? Oh, and I didn't realize she was in Midnight Mass. She was the judge in Midnight Mass. But do you... Yeah. when you see her, do you have a like? I feel like she's in a ton of things and every time I see her I'm like oh I recognize that person but do you have a um, some sort of um, relationship not relationship with her that sounds weird yeah. <laughs> um, relationship to her film wise. I,
1: guess. I think the one that comes to mind is like Sin City. She was really good in that. I think she was like the detective friend of Marv. I think she was also in Watchmen. She played, I can't remember the one that was in the yellow outfit. Watch I don't Woman. remember who. Yeah. Watch Woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, those kind of come to mind as some of the stuff that she's done. And then obviously from these Mike Flanagan joints. How about sure. you? I'm assuming um, San Andreas. I know you're a big uh, San Andreas earthquake disaster film guy.
0: Yeah, that one a little bit, but mainly from Doogie Howser, M.D., where she played Sarah Newman, you know? Oh, wow. Just a classic. I'm looking God. at her IMDb page, Tom. I'm cheating. I know you are. I, I, uh, <laughs> no, I just, uh, once again, another actor that I'm like, oh, should be in more things. I appreciate mm-hmm. that, uh, that person. And she is kind of terrifying at the same time. So good. Yeah. You're kind of like... It, it, she's kind of like Elizabeth Hurley in Bedazzled. You're like, would I make a contract with the devil uh, if, you know, Elizabeth Hurley was the devil? Sure. Carla Giugino? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, are we at the last episode yet? Are, are they We're all getting dead? there.
1: So the next, so this is the last kid to die. This is the pit in the pendulum, which is a I think
0: by the way. Weird weird <laughs> sentence to say, this is the last kid to die. The
1: last, last of the uh, direct shows. bloodline to pass away. Excuse me. Are um, we
0: sure it's pronounced Usher is it not Usher is it Usher does does Usher's play any songs because he's a he's a musical artist does he play any songs in this show tom
1: that is a missed opportunity initially when you you said we wanted to do this show i thought there was like an usher documentary that i just missed
0: but uh you never would have missed an Usher documentary tom (laughs) as soon as as soon as you got that tweeter tweeter alert you would have been like hey julian there's another usher documentary you want to go to the theater and watch it
1: but yeah, so this this next one is Frederick meeting his demise. It's the pit in the pendulum. I think this is another more mainstream post story or short story where it's just this pendulum slowly swinging and then getting lower and lower and just chopping this dude. And that's kind of what happens here. This is Frederick going off the deep end, kind of torturing um, his wife and ultimately... I mean, how it all lands is, like, there's shenanigans going on where he's doing drugs. He takes, like, some of Leo's cocaine. Cocaine ends up getting laced with the drugs that he was giving his wife to kind of, like, put her in a comatose state. And he shows up at the same, like, nightclub abandoned building that Perry threw that party at right when they're getting ready to demolish it. So he gets stuck in this building and is just lying on the floor while verna is just like speaking this you know terrible things to him and kind of giving him the business and he is fully conscious as this you know pendulum is you know as they're sorry demoing the building the pendulum is just going back and forth slowly getting further further down and just right into his tummy
0: it's it's brutal did you say right into his tummy
1: right into his tummy
0: yep and this is one of those giant like construction demolition balls yeah,
1: I mean, it's it's like, yeah, the, the building's getting demoed, so they kind of, like, play it fast and loose where, like, you know, a beam gets caught into some wires in the roof and then somehow gets this massive blade on it to create this, this oh, you know, pendulum deal. So, I got
0: it. Okay. Yeah. I thought we were talking about one of those giant demolition balls that I don't think exists in real life. I think it only <laughs> exists in cartoons. Um, but when you say it gets him right in the tummy, that, I mean... That makes it sound like he then just got the tummy ache and he goes and... Oh, he got a tummy his- ache. <laughs> <laughs> he sure did. Oh, man. I feel like it's a real missed opportunity that his death wasn't him riding a bike, uh, being chased by government agents, and then he goes to jump the bike <laughs> e. into the air. Um, and you I see the moon e. in the background. <laughs> and then he's murdered tragically by, I don't know, government agents or a passing semi. Mm -hmm. Um, because that actor is Henry Thomas from Mm -hmm. E.T., if I recall right. I he was good. Once again, it's fun to look at this cast and just see how many Mike Flanagan uh, joints they're in. I do appreciate a a show that, and they all do a great job as playing someone different than they were in the other series, which is uh, a a good thing for an actor to be able to do. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. This episode also ends with like, and now that all the kids are gone, like Madeline kind of convinces Roderick to overdose on their drugs, saying like, hey, you know, if, if you can die, like she said, we have to die together. If you can die, then maybe I'll be safe. So she's kind of throwing him under the bus since he's already kind of going to die based on that heart condition. So the episode ends with him overdosing and then just kind of collapsing in
0: the basement where they had ultimately buried that Griswold guy. So he I'm sorry so he, so Roderick dies by overdose at the end of this.
1: At the end of this episode he dies. the very beginning of the next episode he has woken up from Verna who just touches him on like the cheek and he spews all the like the medicine or the pills or whatever vomits it all up and then he's alive and well because I think Verna's like making him confess and say all this stuff to uh, August and and kind of putting him through the ringer a little bit more not letting him get out that easy.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah, the timeline on this show is a little bit confusing because you're doing flashbacks and then he's in Mm -hmm. that house talking to uh, the prosecutor. Um, I am now just realizing that Madeline, that actress, is also the president in Battlestar Galactica. So there must have been some sort of overlap between this and Battlestar Galactica because of the actors and actresses. But that's a good show. Uh, that show didn't make me sad. It made me punch out after episode three. How does Listen, Madeline based die? Based on
1: these, these details I'm giving you, I mean, uh, I'm pretty much painting beautiful pictures. You don't even think you need to watch the show.
0: I will not watch the show. You've done a great <laughs> job. You've done me a great service because now I don't have to go back and watch it. How does Madeline die? Roderick's sister, Madeline? So as
1: we get into the episode, this is where we find... Tom, finally can I interrupt find... real
0: fast before you go. answer? I'm go, sorry. Go, go. I, I answer... I asked... Question two, before I asked question one. Question one, how many of Roderick's wives has Madeline murdered?
1: So the original wife that he had in like the early flashbacks as they were kind of taking over the company was Annabelle Lee, who is also like that. Again, that's a name I recognize from Poe's short stories. I think actually Annabelle Lee was the name of the short story. So she was kind of like that picture of innocence and ultimately Lee's Roderick when he decides to... um, you know, lie under oath or whatever and kind of throw August under the bus. So she leaves, and I think he ultimately is just kind of a player probably for the rest of his life and is just kind of taking on kids, taking on... I don't know if he's actually taken on wives or not, but uh, couldn't tell you how many Madeline had disposed of.
0: Okay, sorry. I got the sense that every time she looked at his wife, Annabelle, in those early... I was like, oh, she's definitely murdering because she wants to be Roderick's wife, which... The way this show does relationships, I wouldn't have been surprised if Roderick and Madeline, you know, anyways. It's a
1: Lannister-type situation?
0: Yeah, a Lannister-type situation, (laughs) exactly.
1: But so, yeah, this episode is giving us, like, how they ultimately got power for this company. They got this Griswold character um, who was the Jester. They bury him in this wall. It's pretty brutal. Like, they obviously make every one of the episodes they're kind of not everyone, but they're st- staring at this brick wall in like this basement. you don't really know what's behind it and what's going on but that's that's why they have this connection to it. Uh, we find out that she made this deal with the devil kind of deal. Um, Verna gives that like Lenore that peaceful death. Uh, August is at the house getting the confession. Madeline, there's this weird little bit about Madeline having some sort of, like, ulterior motive that she's going to turn the company into, like, a tech company and ultimately kind of throws Roderick under the bus and tries to kind of oust him so she can become the new head and have it be a tech company. And she's, like, trying to create this, like, AI consciousness. and So that she can
0: live live forever. Yeah, like, like death becomes her style. Yes.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And I think at the end, there's, like, a bit where the ai is supposed to be talking to uh, roderick but all it's saying like over and over again spelled different ways or spelled wrong is just the word nevermore uh like quote the raven nevermore so again that's another very specific tie to edgar Allan poe so ultimately i think it's just telling us that whatever she was trying to do does not work or maybe it works but verna's making sure that that's not going to be the the future i guess of of the company or whatever but you th-
0: do you think if we you think if we dug Eddie Poe up and threw one of them monkey hearts into him so that he was alive <laughs> and made him watch this show without context? Do you think Eddie Poe would be like, Oh yeah, I recognize my stories in this? Or would he just be like why are they saying the F word so much? <laughs> Doth protest I don't i'm know. quite
1: certain he would know like there's loads of easter eggs that you can get throughout this and you can tell mike flanagan is definitely a a fan of poe like all the characters names i mean, just about every character's name has some sort of reference i don't know poe very well in his backstory but i think he was like a, a relatively jealous guy or was a little bit mad himself to write some of this stuff i think you probably need to be a little bit uh, off your rocker but um yeah, I, I would imagine he would be able to pick it up and be like, first off, what is this TV thing? What, sure. What's going on? But oh yeah,
0: that's a good point. He'd probably have other <laughs> questions like, what's electricity? <laughs> what are these moving pictures? Is this mm-hmm. witchcraft? Um, I do think if uh, I was still in my goth phase, which I you know I got out of uh, mm-hmm. a couple yeah. of years ago, <laughs> um, I probably would have appreciated this more because man, that was also my Eddie Poe face. You know, I was quoting mm-hmm. those. Uh, short stories all the time which it's really tough to shoehorn a poe quote uh, into everyday life but a lot of ev- doths a lot of yeah, nevermores a lot of ever- ravens yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: but i to answer your original question because i never actually got to it madeline meets her demise from roderick's hand like roderick actually takes takes her out strangles her i think and or not maybe I strangled I can't remember exactly how he kills her but he has this like whole tie to like Egyptian lore throughout the whole series and even Verna as she's talking to Madeline like constantly calls Madeline Cleopatra so Roderick ultimately ends up killing his sister he like kind of embalms her and does this like mummification style thing where it puts like sapphires into her eyes and very similar to, like, their mother, mother kind of rising from the grave and then taking out their biological father, Madeline kind of rises from the grave with her sapphire eyes, super creepy, super crazy, and then strangles Roderick, taking him out. And that's kind of how the series colla- or, or ends with them kind of going at each other. They're literally dying together as Madeline's taking the life out of him. And then August kind of runs out of the house that they were kind of doing all these like back and forth confessions and interviews on. And then the house just completely collapses in on itself. And then you see um, Verna and kind of her Raven character with these glowing eyes, super cool visual, kind of hovering over the house. And then she just vanishes.
0: Got it. So So that's how August, yeah. August gets
1: his confession. He gets all that kind of stuff. And you've literally see the collapse of the house is cool. Cool visual.
0: Does the rubble of the house spell out Usher? (laughs)
1: no it should
0: and then does usher moonwalk in and sing a song
1: Mm, no it's a missed opportunity
0: (sighs) yeah listen i don't like to try and correct artists work because they're artists and they obviously make art but usher dancing in at the end and being like house of usher maybe he could have done an original song i don't know i don't know what usher's up to um this
1: could be this just could be setting up Usher, like maybe Usher, the famous actor, dancer, you know, renaissance man, maybe he is a part of this family and he was able to escape. And this got is it. just, this is what set up his, his run to fame. So got I'm,
0: it. And he's going to launch his new pharmaceutical drug. <laughs> Usher. Usherium. It's always got to have some weird. Usherium. Yeah. Usherium. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's going to be millions. It's uh it's a pain reliever that you can use all the time. And there's no side effects. Um, I just watched Pain Hustlers on Netflix. Very similar vibe to this show. I And honestly, it probably could have been episode nine. Um, God bless Emily Blunt. But, uh, Tom, I guess what I'm really happy to hear is that they all died. Is essentially... I just... You have confirmed... Uh, that uh, none of the characters made it out of the show alive. and
1: Now, I want to ask you a question. Yeah, going go into the show, did you think
0: they were going to survive?
1: Because well, it's I called was... the fall, not the rise.
0: I was a little bit scared that one of them would make it out alive. But mm. you have just confirmed that they all made it out alive. Um, if you would have asked me who the mole was, I would have said it was the child, because there's certain times she has her phone out, and it almost seems like she's recording people talking. <laughs> um but i guess there's no mole i'm sad that no one got 50 million dollars this was kind of like one of those fun game shows where actually there was a show called the mold where you got mold <laughs> not the mold no the mold's a different show that's where they go in and they clean Just up cooking. restaurants um oh, yeah, yeah. and they turn uh, moldy bread into uh penicillin but <laughs> the mole is a different show where uh, someone was a mole, like a mole person with the teeth and everything, and they had to find out who was the mole. And it was really easy because like that person has mole teeth and is covered in hair, so that's the mole. You can then, barely see during the day. Yeah. Yes. They were like that person is literally digging a hole in front of us. That's not a human. Um, it's just a mole in a tuxedo, and they would get him every time. I mean, it was the show didn't last like only eighteen seasons, uh, but an episode a piece, and. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Tom. I once again, it was uh, it was too much for me. I just uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. But I appreciate that you enjoyed it. And there is something about in this day and age, like uh, let's have this conversation, Tom. Do you, are you compelled to always finish shows or are there shows? uh, I know you mentioned succession, but I think you Mm finished the season, right? And then you just never went back to it. Like, what does it take for you to be like, Hey, I'm just, I'm out on a show.
1: No, it's a good question. I'm kind of more of a completionist, not necessarily with the whole series. Like if the series doesn't get me or the season ends on kind of like a goofy note, I'm not going to pick up on it, but very rarely do I start a show and not go through it. I think I'll, I'll know kind of going in. Like I'm one of those guys that, you know, better or worse, I'm looking at everything before I watch it in terms of how it's reviewed. And if it's like, you know, I like Rotten Tomatoes, the fact that you get like the critic score, which can sometimes be a little bit silly, like sometimes going by the audience score can be better. Just like, is it a popcorn movie? Is it a popcorn show that can just be fun to watch, even if it's not critically acclaimed. Um, So I generally know going into shows that, you know, they're gonna be up to a certain standard Well, at least give it a shot. But you, I don't think are all right. You you generally, you'll try something and punch out pretty quick. Like, he was like Sopranos. You said you started that and never finished it, even though that's supposed to be one of the best shows of all time.
0: Yeah, but I think we finished on a season. You know, the person you should bring in as an eyewitness is my spouse because she'll (laughs) she'll just start shouting about all the shows that, like, one night she'll be like, oh, we've been watching this. And I'll be like, ah, I'm kind of out on that show. And so, I don't know, like... I don't feel like entertainment should be taxing and sometimes it is and sometimes it <laughs> makes me sad. And so uh like
1: I Well and these are different because they're mini series, right? Like you know what you're getting. We're getting eight episodes, we're not getting a sequel, we're not getting like other stuff. Like we'll know we'll be other like Mike Flanagan kind of genre in the same kind of vein. But that's what I kinda like about this. It's it's eight episodes. I know what I'm getting into, I know they're an hour long. Um I can I can commit to that.
0: Sure. I'm trying to think now, like with Midnight Mass, because this one I'm like, none of the characters are redeemable. I'm thinking about Midnight Mass and uh, whether or not those characters are redeemable. But they, they were. I mean, the main vampire guy was probably the hero of the whole show. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah, glad that he... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the angel. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we just ruined that show for a lot of people. So have fun. <laughs> um, Tom you and I... early Tom, do you have any final thoughts for uh, the, the fall of the House of Usher? If you, let's do this. So you wouldn't recommend this show to me because you know that I did not like it and I punched out. Um, mm-hmm. What type of person is going to like this show? If uh, And honestly, if we've gotten to this part in the podcast, they've probably already watched the show or maybe they're still considering watching it after you've ruined the whole thing for them. Um, well, I
1: mean, again, there's twists and turns in it, but nothing that's, like, too jarring. So I think even if you do know all the beats, I still think you can find... You know, well, joy is probably not the best word, nope, but you can find entertainment. No, not the right word, Tom. <laughs> no. Nope. You can find entertainment in this series. Because, again, if you like the Mike Flanagan stuff and and you don't mind characters being kind of irredeemable... Everything else, I think, ticks all the boxes. It's it's done with a lot of love to the source material. Like, the idea that you can take all these completely unique short stories and then create a compelling family drama out of it is truly amazing. I don't know how he wrote it or who he wrote it with, but uh, incredibly impressive. And, again, if you've seen Mike Flanagan's work, you know the guy knows how to do the genre and does it well. There are a handful of jump scares, which I'm not a huge fan of. I think there's one episode... I think it was Leo's episode where there's just a huge jump scare that just took me out of my seat as well as my wife that we didn't really care for. But otherwise, I think, yeah, if you like his stuff, give give us a shot. I think it's up there with some of his his better work.
0: I wasn't aware you watched the show sitting down. This uh, paints a whole different (laughs) picture for me that you don't stand for an hour staring at it like a sports game that you have money riding on. Um, That's just
1: Clockwork Orange. That I stand and watch Look the things it. in my eyes.
0: Got it. Uh, I hate to admit this, but I've never seen that. Um, all right. So, Tom, is there any other media that you're watching right now that you would like to re- recommend to uh, the audience? and i'm talking long like this because we know you go you. if you've got something
1: if you've got something go for it. what are you watching now
0: oh mine's mine's easy nate bagazzi hosted snl and it was great <laughs> <laughs> My, go on youtube and watch nate bagazzi and the snl sketches tom sent me the uh, because i was out of pocket when it actually aired tom sent me the george washington skit with Nate Bargatze, one of my favorite comedians, and uh, it's very, very funny. So uh, I would recommend people watch that for a good laugh, uh, good, clean fun.
1: Yes, as we we love. Um, And I I know we're releasing this episode beginning of November here, so we kind of just missed the spooky season. But on Halloween during the day, I had the day off, so I ended up watching The Pope's Exorcist. Oh, wow. um, The amazing flick with Russell Crowe playing an Italian priest uh that exercises <laughs> you know people and it's wild and goofy but it knows what it is and it does it really well and russell crow just gets after it like he just acts the heck out of it and I, I'm, I'm not generally a huge fan of those like the conjuring series or some of these other ones but it was a lot of fun the How Did This Get Made podcast actually covered it, so and their their podcast was great, just talking through some of the lunacy of it, and I I couldn't recommend it enough. It was a lot of fun to watch.
0: I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I love Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe's great, especially when he really goes for it.
1: So <laughs> especially as an Italian actor, <laughs> <laughs> really nails his Italian oh,
0: accent. that's great. That's great. <laughs> All right. Well. We appreciate all of you joining us for this. We understand this is a little bit different than what we've done in the past. And we are, uh, I think strikes have ended, but we're looking at next shows to do. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Do please uh, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. I think you can do something on Spotify. And Tom, what did I miss?
1: Yeah, follow us on socials, the Twitter, the Instagram at TeamBinge or at Team Binge Podcast. Tell your friends about our show. Yeah, we'd appreciate it. And, and let us know what you think about, like, this. Like, this is obviously new for us, doing it a whole season. It's obviously goofy where one of us only watched a quarter of it and the other one watched the whole thing. But if you do like this concept of us just going through a whole series we've clearly watched plenty of series that we haven't potted on so there's something that maybe you would recommend or maybe that we've done in the past or have watched in the past you want to deep dive on uh let us know because i i think we were hesitant to do this because it was different for us but i had a good time chatting through it
0: tom if that was a veiled criticism of me that i didn't finish the show wasn't veiled i won't recognize (laughs) it and i won't (laughs) respond to it uh i have been julian and I have been Tom
1: till next time everybody.